Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Are you excited about the Super Bowl today? I heard some no. Some of you were excited. I know some of you were excited. How many of you don't even know who's playing in the Super Bowl? Some of you are like, I don't know. Is it football? Yeah, okay. It's it's about football. It's a big day for everybody. I know, you know, everybody knows about Super Bowl, right? You do. I mean, it's an American holiday. It would be like un-American to not even know what the Super Bowl is. And so how many of you are going for the Rams? Do I have any Rams fans in here? I got a couple spirit fingers back there. And Joaquin, that's all I know. Anybody going for the Patriots? Yeah, some people. All right. Anybody going for the commercials? There we go. Uh, you, who's going for the food? Any, come on, amen. The fast that ended for a reason. Come on, somebody. I'm going for the, who's going for the halftime show? You're like, that, that's when I nap. That's when I nap. I don't know who's doing it, and frankly, I don't care. All right, but it's going to be a good, it's going to be a good time. What I love about the Super Bowl, I think it's such a fun event because it's all season long, these two teams have been working hard, working together to reach this one goal, right? They've been overcoming adversaries and obstacles, injuries and issues in their life, but yet they've, they've worked hard with one mission, to get to the big game. And that's what they're doing today, and it's exciting for them. I think that's pretty awesome, the biggest game of their lives, and they're working for the national championship. I think it, it kind of inspires me. Does it you? Does it inspire anybody here? A group of men who stick together, they work together to accomplish this common goal. Yeah, they're, they probably had disagreements. Would you imagine they're grown men with a lot of testosterone and they lift in a lot of weights? You can get, come on, Jay, you know what I'm talking about. All those muscles, you get kind of agitated sometimes, right? I'm sure they had disagreements. I'm sure they had bickering sometimes or some issues in the locker room or at practice going head to head. There was some of that contention going on. But when the rubber met the road, when it became game time, they said, we're in this together. We're working hard together. Anybody ever been a part of a team like that? You ever were a part of something like that where you were working hard together? Sure, there was some issues. Sometimes there was some contention, but you worked together to accomplish a single goal. You know, when I was uh, in, in high school, I played a few sports, but, but the thing that I learned the most about teamwork was on this team, of, a small group of guys uh, that was for our ag mechanics team. It was part of the future farmers of America. I know by looking at me, you can tell I'm, I'm a future farmer. And uh, I was a part of this small group of guys. I, my cousin Davey was actually a part of it as well, a team of four. And we would travel all around California competing in these competitions against other high schools in different areas uh, that, were, that pertained to welding and woodworking and metalwork and electrical and plumbing, tool identification. We had to take written tests about surveying, all these things that taught us all these things. And we were on this team for two years, traveling up and down California and competing. And we always had, in this competition, there was a giant tool bin that we all had to run back to in this circuit of six areas that we were competing in. We all had to come back and get our tools because we all needed them. We all needed them to, to compete in this other area. We had to have everything stored in one place. And so we would run back, get, grab our stuff, say so we were gonna go welding or grab our, our stuff. We were gonna work do woodworking, we'd grab our stuff. And the first few competitions, we weren't doing so well. Individually, sure, they, they would score us individually, but 
really the, the main goal of the competition was to win the team, the team competition. So several of us got you know, first, second place in welding and woodworking, but we were losing as a team overall. And what we had found out was we were actually weren't working together. When we would come back to the tool bin, we would grab what we needed and run. And when we came back to grab something else, we would just throw stuff in. Or sometimes we liked someone else's helmet better than our own helmet. We'd grab that and then you know, we would forget a tool left at the station. And we weren't thinking about each other at all. We were just coming back. The toolbox was a mess. We were fighting and bickering, especially because four teenage boys is not the picture, the, the sparkling uh, image of selflessness. You know, when you get four teenage guys together, they're not always thinking of the other. Do you know what I'm saying? Does anybody have any teenage boys in the house? Or maybe you were one and you were like, yeah, I just know what selfishness means, huh? So we had all of us together and we were not thinking about each other and we would have to travel. Sometimes we would spend the night in different hotels for another competition that's you know far further away from where we were. And so of course we would, we would argue, we would, we would fight. And finally our coach took us aside and he said, if you guys don't start working together, and thinking about the person who's coming behind you, you're never gonna win. This is pointless, we're wasting our time. And you guys know how to do these things, but you need to work together as a team. Do you remember that conversation that we had with our coach? And finally, we began to say, yeah, we, should, we need to support each other. So every time we came back to the tool bin, we would put things nicely back in. We would put things where they should go. We made sure our stuff was there and the guys behind us knew what they were gonna be doing. If we, if we finished a, a circuit, Ahead of time, we would come back and wait for the next teammate to come so we could give them a heads up on what they'd be facing in the next thing. We would tell them, hey, if we're doing a vertical up weld, you need to make sure you, your temperature is right on your weld. Anybody weld in here? You know what I'm talking about? There you go. My brother's like, yeah, the only one. All right, so you know, if you're, if you're doing woodworking, this is what you're gonna be working on. Make sure you have this tool. Make sure you do this first. Check your, check your measurements twice before you, we would try to coach each other, help each other. All of a sudden, we started winning competition. And we thought, man, things are clicking. Things are clicking. We were still doing fine individually, but as a team, we were actually accomplishing what we needed to accomplish. And at the end of that year, we finished third in the entire state of California in an ag mechanics team. So that was a huge success, right? No one wants to applaud for that? I would applaud, that was great. So needless to say, call Dave if you need something to be welded, all right? It was great, we had a great opportunity to learn something about what it meant to work with each other and to support each other. When our coach finally said, you need to stick together. You need to stop fighting, you need to stop attacking each other and you need to work together. And we worked together and we won. Do you know that we as, as believers in Jesus, we're also called to do the same thing? We're called to work together we're called to support each other. We're called to have each other's backs. We're called to love and care for one another and prefer the other over our own needs. In fact, God wants to take it one step further. God says he wants us to be one. He wants us to be one, not just supporting each other, loving each other, but, but one. What does, that, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? Jesus prayed right before he went to the cross that you and I, that us as a church would be unified as one body. Can I read that prayer to you? John chapter 17, starting in verse 20. This is what Jesus says. I do not ask for these only. He's speaking about the disciples that are currently with him because he had been praying previously about them and for them. 
that they would be strengthened and encouraged. But he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who's that? That's us. Jesus is now praying for us in this prayer. Isn't it powerful to know that Jesus was thinking of us in that moment? For those that would believe their word that came after them. And he says this, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. So that the world, why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one. Why? So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. How powerful is it to know that right before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed this prayer and he didn't pray that we would be happy. He didn't pray that we would be successful or that we would be safe. He prayed that we would be united. He prayed that we would be united. Here's the, here's the big picture for today. Here's the big idea for this message. Unity matters to God. Unity matters to God. Why? Well, Jesus not only just prayed it twice, in one prayer saying, God, let them be perfectly one so that the world will know that you sent me. Basically saying that they will know that I am the son of God, the savior of the world. The unity that we have as the body of Christ will demonstrate to the world that Jesus is who he said he was. Not only that, but Jesus prayed in John 13, 35. He says this, and I've said it quite, quite often. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. He's talking to us that we belong to Jesus if we have love one for another. The world will know all people, all nations, that word all people, when translated from Greek means all nations, all cultures, all peoples, everyone will look at the unity that we have as believers and say, there must be a God in heaven. And who is this God that they're speaking of that unites them in such a way that we don't have any other type of unity out there in the world that even closely resembles what the church holds when we're unified. This is what Jesus says to us. Unity. Do you know that unity creates belief? If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. You can follow along in your YouVersion Bible app. There's a note section there for you. You can look up, select more events, and you can find Hosanna Worship Center right there, YouVersion Bible app. Follow along here. Unity creates belief. How? Our world is filled with disunity. Would you agree? We live in a fragmented society more now than ever before. Everybody's shouting, but no one's listening. And we are against each other in so many areas. We don't even know what we're for anymore. We're so against this. We're against that. Everybody's against each other. There cannot be any unity when we're always against each other. I believe that we're on the precipice of judgment in our country. And in that kind of environment, could you imagine how many people would take notice of a group of believers that genuinely care and love for each other? People that look different, sound different, dress different, act different, they do different things, they have different likes and dislikes, and yet they have this one common thing their faith in Jesus and his finished work on the cross for us. 
This one thing that unites us, the blood of Jesus was spilled for us so that you and I could be one, that we could be a family, loving each other, caring for each other, where our differences no longer matter as much as the unity we have in Jesus. His name binds us. Jesus unites us. Do you know that Jesus came not just to reconcile? The word reconcile means to bring back into right relationship. He came not just to reconcile us to God, but he came to reconcile us to each other. Do you know that when sin entered the world, when we look at Adam and Eve, not only did they hide from God, they hid their own nakedness from each other. Nakedness represented their vulnerability. They put leaves on on themselves to cover their own vulnerability from each other. Sin did that. Before sin entered entered the world, they were vulnerable with each other. They knew each other. They walked in harmony and peace with one another. But sin came and divided them and ripped them apart, made them not be able to trust each other. And Jesus said, I want to come and reconcile you to the Father, but I want to reconcile you to each other where you can love and trust each other again. Isn't that powerful? Sin divided. It's been dividing us ever since. It divided brother against brother. Cain killed his brother Abel over a worship service. You think about that? Maybe you don't like the song that we sing, Don't Kill Me, okay? You're walking in the shadow of Cain. Don't do that. But sin's been dividing us ever since. And Jesus says, I have come to unite you. And we can really truly be united because Jesus broke the power of sin in our lives. He broke the chains that bind us. We no longer have to choose sin. Sin is an individual thing, and sin is also a corporate thing. Because when we don't walk in unity together, it says that it displeases God, and it is a sinful thing because it mars the image of God. It tarnishes his image because he cares about unity so much. Jesus' blood, it unites us, it covers us. His blood makes us family, and we're called to be reconciled back into right relationship with each other. Do you know that disunity creates disbelief? Disunity creates disbelief. How many times have you seen people fall away from their faith because of disunity in the church? People walk away from the church, the very thing where there is the only hope of salvation, the only hope of knowing God is in the church and they walk away from it because the church is splintered, because the church is fragmented, because the church hurts people sometimes. And people walk away because of hurt for words, unloving words, and unloving actions. And God says, I don't want disunity in my church because it it tarnishes my image, the thing that I'm trying to do in the world. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 6, 6 that the one who sows discord is a worthless person. God says it. If you're going to come in and bring division in the church, you're worthless. You're doing a worthless thing. In fact, in verse 16, he says, God hates discord that is sown amongst the brothers. Why? Because it disrupts the people from being able to see Jesus. Jesus said, when we're unified, the world will see that I am the son of God. When we are disunified, when we are, there is discord in us. It stops people from seeing who Jesus is. Do you know that you and I, we bear his name. We are representatives in the world. And when we're at odds with one another, we are, we are denying the fact that Jesus is in us both. If Jesus is in me and Jesus is in you, then why? what is stopping us from being unified together? 
Jesus trumps everything else, doesn't he? Isn't he more powerful than anything else that is in us? Christ in us, the hope of glory, the king of the universe in us. So if he's in me and he's in you and he's a God of reconciliation, then I have to be reconciled to you. When I think of discord, I, I literally think of a cord of rope. You know, these cords are made up of little strands that are tied together to make a rope, make it strong, right? Discord is literally coming in and what God has put together, discord begins to unwind, begins to separate. And then all of a sudden, the thing that was supposed to be strong no longer has the same strength. Are you following me? That's what discord does. It begins to separate and divide the church so that we can no longer lift the things that we were supposed to lift. We're no longer able to do what we're called to do. And in these strands, if you can imagine, you and I are wrapped up in these strands, but when discord comes, it begins to separate these strands one from another. We become individualized. We become about ourselves and not about the other. And we can no longer carry the things that we're supposed to carry. That's what discord does. It unwinds what God has bound together. That's why marriage is such an important thing. That's why the enemy attacks marriage, because God has put it together. He says, what God has put together, let no man separate. Do you also know that the church is called the bride of Christ? We are, we are bound together with Christ. And so if you come in and you begin to sow discord, separation, lie, gossip, backbiting, hurtful words against your brother and sister, you are doing the thing that God says do not do. You are doing worthless things. You're doing things that are damaging and hurting people. And you're ruining not only the image of people in the church, but you're ruining the image of God in the world. Is that not a powerful rebuke? We need to be wise about the words we speak and how we love and treat each other. Because it's bigger than just me and you. We have a responsibility to represent Christ to a world who's lost and dying without him. God calls us to be unified. He calls us to be together, bound together. A rope is only as strong as the strands are bound tightly. And the more strands, the stronger the rope. So we don't come in to break them. We come in to bind them together in the name of Jesus. Jesus has built this church. Jesus said he established the church. It is his. It's not our church. This is not our church. This is God's church. This is Jesus's church. Until we have the scars in our hands and our feet, this is not our church. It is his. He bought it with a price. He paid for it all. It belongs to him. And we represent him. So we have a big responsibility, don't we? But here's the beautiful thing. Jesus said, I would give you my spirit to do these things that I'm calling you to do. It's not in your own power. It's in his power. It's not in your love. It's in his love. It's out of his heart for unity for us. He says, as I am in you, Father, and you are in me, let them be in us. It's his prayer. All we have to do is walk in obedience to that, saying, today, Jesus, I choose to walk in you 
and be unified with my brothers and sisters. The Apostle John says it so clearly in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 20, he says this, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. He's a liar. For who, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Isn't that powerful? Sometimes people would say, I don't go to church for the people. I go to church for God. That's a twisted and misunderstood statement. Because you and I together make the church. There is no church without me and you binding together under the lordship of Jesus. So I cannot say, I only come here for God. I don't come here for you. I've just made myself a liar. If I can't love you with all of your faults and all of your issues, you can't love me for all my faults and all my issues. And if that's the truth, then I can't really love God because I deny his love in me. Because Jesus said he came to seek and save that which was lost. He came because he loves us. He loves us so much that he died for us. So if we're sowing discord and we secretly have something against our brother or sister in Christ, we need to take that up and take care of it. We need to address that issue because it is doing more damage than we know. Let me tell you what unity isn't. Can I tell you what unity is not? Unity is not avoidance. Some people will say, well, I'll just avoid that person that I have an issue with and everything will be okay. That's not unity. Aren't you glad that God didn't avoid you? When it says that we were, while we were still his enemies, he died for us. Could you imagine if God said, I'll just, I'll just ignore them. I'll just avoid them and I'll pretend like everything's okay. That's not unity. That's not the spirit of Christ. And when we do that with one another, we're still sowing discord. We're still interrupting unity in the body. Avoiding the problem and running away from conflict or leaving things when it gets uncomfortable is not unity. Unity says, I'm going to work through it. I'm going to work it out because we, you and I, carry the same image of God and we're called to be reconciled to each other. So it's important. It's vitally important. It goes beyond what I feel. It goes against even the awkwardness that I might feel in this situation because it's more important than that. It trumps those things. It trumps my emotions. It, trump, it trumps the awkwardness because I don't want disunity in the body. Unity is not tolerance. Tolerance says, I'll put a smile on when they're around, but I really don't like them. Oh, God bless you. Good morning. Oh, it's a good day to be in the house of God. This person's a wacko. We say one thing with our mouths and we speak something else in our hearts. And we think it's tolerance. We think it's genuine love. No, it's not. That's an issue we need to deal with. Because Christ is in us. It still brings disunity because you really don't care about the person that you tolerate, do you? 
you really don't care about what they're going through or the issues in their life or how are they really genuinely experiencing the love of Christ when you tolerate them. Because it, you could take them or leave them. That's what tolerance is. If you're here, eh, great. If you're not here, even better. That's what tolerance says. That's not unity. We don't want it. Unity is not loving at a distance. Loving at a distance says, oh, sure, I love them, but I don't want them to be around. <laughs> we have seriously confused what love means if we think that's possible. We have seriously confused the definition of love if we think we can love at a distance. Aren't you glad that God didn't love us at a distance? Jesus said, to really show my love, I'm going to have to get down in there with them. I'm going to strip the glory that I have as the king of the universe and step into flesh to be with them because I don't want to love them at a distance. I'm so grateful that God didn't love me at a distance. That he came after me. That he sought me. I'm so grateful that God came after you. And that he sought you. And he's drawing your heart. Even now in this moment. Even today. The Holy Spirit is whispering to you. I love you. I want you. I want to be in relationship with you. I don't want to love you from far. I want to love you up close. It's beautiful. Amen. I don't mean to get emotional. I just, I think about what Jesus did. And none of us deserve that. But he did it freely because he loves us. Up close and personal, face to face. And Jesus said this. We spoke about it a couple weeks ago. That if we want to bear fruit in our lives, we have to obey his commands. And then he said, I have one command. That you love each other with the same love I have for you. A love that is up close and personal. A love that says, I might not agree with everything that you agree with. We may not, uh, we may not agree on every topic or every situation. We might like things differently or we might dislike things, but, but all of those things do not matter because of the love of Jesus and my call to be side by side with you as we pursue Jesus together. That's loving each other with the same kind of love that Jesus has for us. So if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, Here's what I have to tell you. For those of you who are not following Jesus, who don't have a relationship with him, you're not a Christian. You've not given your life to him. To be unified with the body of Christ, you first have to put your faith and hope in him as your savior and as your Lord. The message about being unified together only makes sense when you come into the family. And that's that's easy to do. It's just by saying, Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I need you. I don't want the life I'm living. I don't want to do the things that I'm doing. 
I know I can sense they hurt your heart. I want to, I want to know you. I want to give my life to you. And in that moment, he then says, you're a part of my family. Come and be a part of my family. It's saying yes to him. Turning from your sin, turning from the junk in your life. That's what repentance means. It means to, to, to turn from it and not go back to it. That's what, that's what it is to repent. Sin is here. I'm living this life, but I feel God tugging me this way. And I say, God, I do want you. And I choose you over these things. And if today you want that, then I want to give you the opportunity. And I want to say, especially to those who are maybe in the house today that have been hurt by the church. Maybe you've been hurt by people who've called themselves Christians, but they weren't walking in unity. They weren't walking in love and care for the other. And you've, you've been wounded. You've been hurt by it. I would want to say to you this morning, on behalf of the church, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the things that have been done to you. I'm sorry for the words that were spoken. I'm sorry for the backbiting and the gossiping about you. I'm sorry that that's the image you saw of Jesus. And I I want to say that Jesus can still heal the hurt. And I want you to be a part of a church that says we will love you. We're not perfect, but we're pursuing the perfect one. And we want you to be a part of our family. Because so many people can hurt and we get hurt in church and we get wounded. And it, and it, it fragments our view of God. And can I tell you, even those that have hurt you, they may not even know that they've done it. Because they're hurt too. The saying goes, hurt people hurt people. But we want to be a people who say that we choose love over the hurts of our past. So if that's you today, under the sound of my voice, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to give this invitation to those who may not be walking with Jesus. Or those who've been hurt by the church And that caused you to walk away from Jesus. Today is your opportunity to come back into right relationship with God. And to right relationship with his body, his church. If you're here today and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be a part of this body. And on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I accept Jesus today. And I turn from my sin, I turn to him. I run to him. One, I believe he's speaking. I genuinely believe it. Two, God can make all things new. He's the creator who creates out of nothing. Three, right now, raise your hand if you want to accept Christ as your Lord. I see your hand. Is there anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you raised your hand, would you stand to your feet right now so I can pray with you? Thank you.
now that you're standing. Would you, would you join me down front so I can pray with you? Can I have a few ladies on our prayer team come down and we can pray together? Michelle, if you know her, would you come and pray with her too? What's your name? Nicole. Nicole, hi. What's your name? Mackenzie. You were here last week too, right, Mackenzie? Would you stretch your hands forward to Mackenzie and Nicole? Would you repeat this prayer after me? Lord Jesus, I turn to you. I turn from sin, and I give my heart to you. I put my trust in you. I put my hope in you. I put my life in your hands. I trust you, Jesus. Make me new. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, would you celebrate? Amen. I, I believe this, this has been a journey for you. I believe it's been a journey for you. God's been working in your heart for quite some time. You've been feeling that. Tug, yeah. Yeah, this is a new journey. It only gets better from here, but it, it might get harder too. But it gets better. And we'll love you. Come on, would you celebrate? I want you to make sure you fill out a connect card so I can get your information, okay? So, can you get them a connect card and have them fill it out? You can just come over here and, and pray with them. Thank you. Isn't God good? Isn't God faithful? We thank you, Jesus. Now I want to give a couple more challenges. For those of us who are here today and you're, you're, a, new, you're a new believer, you've accepted Jesus, but you're still young in your faith and you're saying, all right, unity is important, but how do I get there? What's my next step? How do I do this? Here's the first thing you need to do. You need to pray. You need to pray. You need to ask God to give you love for your fellow believers, especially those who get on your nerves, especially those who have hurt you in the past. Ask God for his love. Some of y'all need to be praying right now. But it's through prayer that his love transforms us because it's not our love. Our love will always fall short. It will always run out. We'll always get on each other's nerves to the point where we're like, man, I just don't want to be around you. I'm tired of you. And, and sometimes that happens. That's, that's normal. But when it continues to happen, it becomes now we're talking bad about them. We're gossiping about them. They hurt me here. Well, I'm going to hurt them there. That causes disunity. To get back to unity, we first have to pray. For those of us who are we're walking in our faith and we, we want to walk in unity, we start with prayer. Prayer for love. Pray that you can say a simple prayer in your prayer time. Say, God, increase your love in me. Increase your love in me. Increase your love in me. And I'd also challenge you to begin to pray for those who rub you the wrong way. And pray for those who sit next to you in church. Pray that God, and call them out by name. God, would you bless George? Would you bless Esther? Because when you begin to pray for them, your heart grows bigger for them. Amen. Amen. 
begin to do it. Last, the challenge for the seasoned believer. You've been walking in this for quite some time. You know what it means to walk and follow Jesus. You know that, that Jesus says that we're to be one. My challenge for you is to walk it out. Lead by example. Help us. Prepare the way for us. Show us what it means to be unified. Be the first one to love. Be the first one to give. Be the first one to care. Be the first one to forgive. Be the first one to be gracious. Be the first one to be generous. Be the first one to say, I'm sorry, in the name of Jesus. Even when it may not be your fault because you don't want to reproach the name of Christ. Help us, those who are coming up after you. Just like the tool bin that I work with, with our team. Set it out for us. Tell us this is what's coming up. Be mindful of this. Check twice before you cut. I don't know how that one worked in, but. Be mindful of the things that are coming ahead. The things that could disrupt our unity. Those of us who've been following Jesus for a long time, we need to lead by example. Be the first. Be the first. Can you imagine what the church would look like if we lived this out? Can you imagine walking in unity with each other, genuinely loving and caring for each other, loving and reaching out not only to those who are in our own church, but other churches in our community because the body of Christ is bigger than this building and reaching out to our brothers and sisters who are across town and saying, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that your church succeeds. I'm praying for your pastor. I'm praying that God moves in a mighty way that you have revival in your church because if it happens there, it'll happen here. We're praying that God blesses our brothers and sisters in Madeira because if he pours it out, he'll pour it out on us. He's no respecter of persons. He wants to pour out his presence on us. So begin to pray for other brothers and sisters. Even if they're a different denomination than us, if they lift up the name of Jesus, then we pray for them because they're, they're representing our Lord to our city. Pray for them. Can you imagine? Our city would be turned upside down. They would see Jesus for who he is, the son of God the savior of the world, if gossip stopped, if backbiting ceased, and if genuine love prevailed. As the body of Christ, we're working towards one common goal. Just like the teams in the Super Bowl today are working to win. We're working together to win too. We're working together to win souls. People that are far from God, that they would be close to him. That's our mission. That's our goal to seek and save those who are lost. Our goal is to work together that the lost may have a saving knowledge of who Jesus is. And it will happen. They will see him through our unity. Amen. <laughs>